I, I really think, you know, the most important thing is to be passionate, you know, and that goes across the board. That doesn't even have to do with anything with entertainment. That has to do with just your passion for anything you do. If you're passionate about something, you genuinely feel, you know, you're doing it from your heart. You're doing it from your soul. And I can genuinely say that I haven't worked one day in 35 years because I'm so passionate and I love what I do and I love entertainers and I love people. And if you're passionate about anything you do, you will be successful. Welcome to the Hospitality Mentor Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Turk. Join me as we dive into the personal stories of some of the world's best hospitality professionals. We follow the journey of their ups, downs, and wild turns to find out what it truly takes to make it in the amazing world of hospitality. This episode is brought to you by our podcast partners at Real-Time Reservation. Their inventory management system is best in class for hotels and resorts to manage their non-room inventory. The web-based application allows for creative upselling of overnight and daytime visitors with add-ons and pre-planned packages. Hotel guests and non-guests can reserve cabanas, pool chairs, activities, amenities, excursions, events, day passes, and much more. The real-time reservation platform offers a fully integrated pre-arrival portal where guests are verified through the property management system. Guests can prepay for cabanas and activities through credit card integrations, which are then processed through point of sale. All of our listeners that might be interested in using real-time reservation are welcome to explore the demo at realtimereservation.com. Once again, that's realtimereservation.com. Welcome to another edition of the Hospitality Mentor Podcast. Today, I'm excited to have Ron Green, founder and chief entertainment officer at Entertainment Resource and Ron G Entertainment here with us today. I appreciate you being here, Ron. No, thank you, Steve. I'm, uh, I'm excited to be here and share this wonderful opportunity uh, and, and, and excited for you and this new venture you're doing and, and happy to be a part of it. Thank you for having me. Well, thank you. Well, let's jump into you here, Ron. So mm -hmm. you come from the entertainment and music side of the hospitality business. And we always ask the first question, how did you get started in this hospitality industry of ours? So, you know, I, I think I've always been, ever since even I was a little kid, I've always been involved in kind of performance. Uh, and I think one of the things that really, you know, kind of captivate and capture my soul is the ability to make people smile. And giving, mm -hmm. giving people a good time. And I think that's always been, you know, even from remembering from a, when I was a little kid and dancing in front of my parents, friends, and, you know, just always really, really enjoying seeing people smile, whether it's through performance or through music. I learned at a, a very early age from my dad uh, to play drums um, and uh, started kind of my musical journey as far as a performer, um, a musician, uh, learning drums at a very early age and then kind of um, expanding through there, just my journey of music. Uh, I started DJing when I was about 15, um, back in the, I want to say the eighties, I'm going to, I'm going to date myself and show everybody how old I am. But when I started, when I started DJing, I was actually using cassette tapes, uh, to DJ. And I remember doing school dances and we had like two cassette players where we had to DJ from, and then eventually kind of stepped up into doing, you know, records and, and, and things of that nature. Uh, so I started really DJing and, and performing at events, um, which was really my main focus for many, many years of my life um, where I was, you know, DJing, performing, emceeing. I started learning. I'm also a dancer. Uh, I used to dance on uh, MTV for three years uh, back in the grind for whoever remembers that. Really? 
Yeah, man. Oh, I gotta uh, go back I was, and find some YouTube videos. Yes, yes, they're out there. Believe me, I've seen them. <laughs> um, and then I was also in an off-Broadway show called Stomp for a year um, in New York City. And so I've always been involved in performance um, and entertainment and, um, you know, that type of thing. And then I think, uh, you know, really what kind of took me to the hospitality side was after years of, of you know, really focusing on private and corporate events, um, I had an opportunity to join uh, the brand Margaritaville mm-hmm. in 2015 uh, when they opened up their flagship hotel here in, in South Florida in Hollywood Beach. And um, they they approached me about uh, coming on, on board and, and um, becoming their director of entertainment and really building their entertainment department, which of course is, is a huge uh, responsibility and a huge um, task because of the name Margaritaville. Yeah. And you know, being synonymous with Jimmy Buffett, of course. So music needed to be a very, very strong part of that property. So they tasked me with kind of working with the brand uh, Margaritaville. I had an opportunity to have a mentor who was the director of entertainment for the Margaritaville Worldwide brand. And him and I worked very, very close together. And who was that? Um, That's um, Joe Janelle from Margaritaville. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Joe Janelle. So him and I worked very close together for about eight months. And we had a huge audition process uh, here in South Florida where we uh, you know, requested submissions for people um, to come to audition for us to be able to perform on property. Because of course, once people found out the local musicians and local, um, you know, performers found out that Margaritaville was opening. And of course they knew that there was going to be a heavy, heavy side to music and performance. Uh, so, I want to go back now. So we'll come back yes, to this part. So we've got okay, a quick journey of you. So before you get to Margaritaville, okay. you have your own company? No, I had my own. Well, I also had, I had an entertainment company back in New York. Mm-hmm. Um, for many years, that was focused really predominantly on, as I said, private and corporate events, right. um, where I had you know entertainers and I had DJs and I was emceeing a lot and doing all those parties and doing all those events. I was probably doing somewhere close to five, six hundred events a year mm-hmm. um, myself uh, while I was in New York. Then I moved to um, Florida for about a year. And why did that come here. up? Uh, just wanted to, my family started moving to Florida out of New York, and uh, you know after I lived uh, in Manhattan and Times Square. Um, for about six years in my early 20s, I decided I had enough of the cold yep. and uh, I decided to uh, come down to um, to Florida. My mom was down here at the time. My brother just moved down. So I decided to give uh, South Florida a shot and came down here and still was continuing to do, you know, private and corporate events. I've always probably for the past 35 years, I've been involved in entertainment uh, and events and hospitality. So um, I was down here for about a year. Then I had an opportunity to work uh, for Royal Caribbean as one of their DJs. On so the boat? I left on, on the, the ship. On the ship. How did that happen? Back. What's that process like? Is the so, I've always wondered that how people. Yeah, get it was there. it was it was actually very very uh, very strange for me because I was actually at the time I was working in South Beach and I had a friend of mine uh, who was working with me and he was you know he he just you know we became friendly and he's like you'd be great on a cruise ship, and I was like you know I've always kind of led myself uh, doing things that typically people I think kind of had these dream jobs. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, ideas of, you know, wow, I would love to work at a resort or wow, I would love to work on a cruise ship or wow, I would love to, you know, do something on television. And I've always kind of found myself trying to kind of lead myself down that path to experience things that are a little bit out of the norm, things that are a little bit on a larger scale, you know, from a performance standpoint. Right. Um, and also just living places, you know, that are amazing that people most of the time vacation. You know, I like to live where people vacation. That's kind of the, the, my mentality, especially when I left New York. So I had an opportunity to work um, work on the cruise ship and the process uh, to get on the cruise ship, which from my understanding was not the norm. 
So I guess I think I went down to uh, fill out an application at uh, Royal Caribbean's um, main office in Miami. I think on a I want to say on a Tuesday. Mm-hmm. And um, I was in this room and just filling out my application. My friend came with me who introduced me to the idea. And I guess while I was kind of filling out my application, he was talking to somebody. And I guess he said, you know, can he go and see somebody right now? So I, after I filled out the application, I was sent to an office. I met a gentleman. Don't remember the name. This was, again, back in the 90s. Don't remember the name. Him and I had an amazing conversation. Um, and uh, he actually, after we were done talking for about 30 minutes, he says, you know what? Hold on a second. He picked up the phone, he made another telephone call, and then he told me that I had to go to another office because he wanted me to meet somebody. Ended up going to a different office in the parking lot, you know, just in, in the complex, and um, met this lady. Again, forgot her name, but I came to find out I think she was the vice president of entertainment at the time for Royal Caribbean. Uh, she actually, very strangely, she came down to meet me in the lobby and she asked me if, if I remember this. She said, Would you be okay if we walked outside in the parking lot and I just had a conversation with you? I, you know, I was like, of course, absolutely. Just, you know, she's like, it's a beautiful day. Let's walk outside. So yeah. spent about half an hour, 45 minutes, uh, just kind of walking and chatting with her. And she said, thank you for, you know, meeting with me. And, you know, usually the process takes between four to six months after you apply to get, you know, placed on an open position at a ship somewhere or something like that. I said, okay, no problem. You know, I wasn't like in a hurry to leave or do anything. I just wanted to get the process going. And if it was going to happen, it was going to happen. Then uh, I guess this was on a Tuesday. Thursday comes and uh, I get a telephone call from Royal Caribbean that I need to go back to their office that Friday to have a physical because on Monday I was leaving to go to Puerto Rico (laughs) to join one of their ships and to be on a contract for eight months. And at that time, I've never been on a cruise ship before. Uh, I've never, you know, experienced anything like that. I don't think I ever even worked for a corporate entity before uh, doing something like that. I've always been kind of an entrepreneur and I've always worked for myself and had my own businesses and things of that nature. But I figured, again, this is an incredible opportunity, something that I've never done before. People love to go cruising. It sounded amazing. And uh, ultimately, you know, did everything that I needed to do. And Monday I was on a plane. Monday afternoon I was in Puerto Rico and uh, I was on the cruise ship. And then I was there for about uh, eight months. I extended my contract because I met a young lady on the ship who was one of the dancers of the show. We Hold on, so you leave New York, you come yes. down to South Beach, you're DJing. Yes. One of your buddies yes. like, you'd be great on a cruise ship. You go, two days later, they say you're going on an eight-month contract. Did you talk to your family or were you just like, yeah, this seems well, cool yeah. and just went and did it because... Yeah, uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, listen, it's an opportunity of a lifetime. you know. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the thing is that you know, I, I'm all about really challenging myself and getting out of my comfort zone and trying different things, especially when it's involved with entertainment and just getting as much experience as possible. Yeah. The, you know, the thing, the thing for me is that, you know, I came and of course I was, you know, younger, my family was down here. They were like, absolutely, you know, go. I had my passport. I was good to go. I just needed to get my physical. So literally, yeah, I just picked up and left. And so then what was the first day like? So you get there, I envision you with some, like a, a bag and a backpack and your DJ equipment. Exactly. Like, so, yeah, I get on the cruise ship and, of course, I don't know anybody, but, you know, my personality after years of performing and, you know, I, I make friends pretty easily, um, you know, so just met some amazing, amazing people. The beautiful thing about being on the cruise ships is, you know, there's people, most of the staff and crew are from all over the world. Right. Uh, there's very, very few people who actually are from the United States. And then there's even a fewer amount that are from New York, <clears throat> especially New York City. Mm hmm. So when people found out that I was from New York and from New York City, it's automatically kind of like people were just magnetized towards me. You know, just and again, I like to consider myself a nice guy. 
I like to yep. consider myself very approachable. I like to consider myself, you know, just a, a good person and, 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 you know, have a good energy around me. That's just the, the type of person that I am. So I guess people are just kind of magnetized towards me. And then, of course, you know, couple that with the fact of being from New York and having that experience of living in Manhattan and living in the city and, you know, um, just kind of, I think, set me a little bit apart. So I had no problem making friends and had an incredible journey and met so many wonderful people from all over the world, from Trinidad, from the islands, from Jamaica, from um, you know, England from, um, you know, really the Philippines. I mean, so many amazing people. And, um, you know, I'm the type of person also who I love everyone. I love people in general. And I think that's why hospitality has always been kind of in my soul and in my blood, because I just, I have a genuine affinity for people and making people feel good and being kind of that service person where you have the ability to make people feel good. Yeah. And whether it's through entertainment or whether it's through helping them, or customer service oriented or anything like that. I, I have a genuine just love for people and making people happy. So what was it like on the ship? What was it like working and living on a ship? Cause I've never had that experience. I for a split yeah. second thought about it, right? On Royal Caribbean, but that's, yeah. like, that's going to be intense living on there. What is it like yeah. being on the ship? So again, with anything it's has its ups and downs. I mean, the, the amazing thing is that you're on this cruise ship floating city. Uh, you know, you're in a room that gets, cleaned all the time and you know you really don't have any expenses ex, you know expenses everything's paid for uh so you have the ability to leave the cruise ship at least with a little bit of money which is nice but as far as the the, the experience itself it's you know it, it has its ups and downs it's amazing it's great you know you you're being the dj on the cruise ship um you know i i didn't necessarily have to have the same i don't want to say rules as the additional crew members or staff mm -hmm. because i worked fairly late so most of the crew and staff would live on the first and second deck and there were either two or four to a cabin, but because I was DJing late night in the, in the um, nightclub, like seven nights a week, I was, had the opportunity to live on the seventh deck, uh, which is basically where the hotel manager was the captain, all those people. So I had my own cabin. It was amazing. Man, um, captain you know, Ron, you were captain, captain Ron. Ron. I am captain Ron. Exactly. <laughs> So, uh, so yeah, it was, it was a great experience, um, to do that. But again, you know, you also, you're, you know, you're surrounded by work 24 seven, you know, there is no five o'clock. All right. It's time to go home. You know, you're literally at work 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You know, there is no downtime. You know, of course, when you go to certain ports, uh, I was in the Virgin islands for six months and then I was in the Bahamas for six months. So if you're not scheduled to do anything as far as the, um, you know, pool games or emceeing anything, I usually had to work at night in the nightclub. So I definitely had the opportunity to get off the ship during the days when we were at port and go to the beaches and go have lunch and, you know, do different things like that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, listen, all in all, it was an incredible, incredible experience. Nice. Um, so how long did you do that for? Uh, almost a year. So a year on the ship. That's a, yeah. a long time. You yeah. get off the ship and then what happens? What do you start doing? So I moved to, as I was saying before, I met actually one of the girls on the, on the cruise ship who was uh, one of the dancers in the show. And we mm -hmm. uh, started a relationship on the, on the cruise ship. I extended actually my, my contract so I could actually get off with her. And we ended up moving to uh, California together. Um, I was never in California, so I ended up moving out there with her. Uh, our relationship, once we got on land, only lasted about six more months. <laughs> because, yep. you know, being on, being on the ship and being on land are two different things, you know? On the ship, there's, you know, just kind of this, you know, relaxed feeling and, you know, you having everything taken care of for you. There's somebody who comes and does your room for you and you have your meals prepared and, you know, all these different things. So when you get off, it's like reality, you know, hits you. So you have to 
you know, really, um, you know, kind of, you know, be flexible. And again, it's just life and things happen. And we ended up, you know, not staying together for very long, but I ended up staying in California for, for uh, six years. Where in California and were you? So I was in Venice Beach. Uh, this was in late 90s into early 2000s. Um, so I lived in Venice Beach and Venice Beach was just amazing for me. I was a block and a half from the ocean, uh, living by myself. And um, it was just such a great um, another amazing experience uh, for me. And you were Even DJing there? Or were you I was doing, your- yeah, I was doing private events, uh, you know, DJing, doing weddings. I actually DJed the wedding of the um, bass player for Ario Speedwagon for his daughter. Uh, I forgot his name. Again, this was 90s, right, but yeah. I ended up uh, DJing his, uh, his daughter's wedding. And it was amazing because all the guys from Ario Speedwagon was there. All the people from Sticks were there. So it was just a really, really cool thing to be there, and you know, especially being a baby of the '80s and growing up with Ario Speedwagon and growing up with Sticks, you know, having to par- getting an opportunity to meet those guys and party with them a little bit was 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 a great experience as well for me. So yeah, so I was just doing that out there six years, and then uh, decided to move back to um, Florida um, after that experience. Um, at that time, the reason I wanted to come back to Florida then was because my grandparents were still around, and my grandparents were Holocaust survivors. Mm-hmm. And they were in their kind of golden years. So I definitely wanted to make sure that I spent some quality time with them uh, while they were you know, still around. So I ended up moving back to Florida. Um, again, continuing the same thing with, you know, the entertainment and, you know, doing parties and emceeing and being the performer, um, as well as, you know, booking out entertainers and booking out bands and, you know, uh, event management and so on and so forth. Um, and it was doing that up until 2015. Um, that's awesome you know, so where, let's talk about yeah. that now so margaritaville yeah. was that someone you knew there or someone again said hey like the cruise ship you need to get on the cruise ship or you knew someone at Margaritaville? no what's what's funny is is i actually so in my mind i was thinking very very small at the time uh in my mind i actually you know applied to margaritaville to be like their main dj you know i was like this is going to be like the cruise ship i have that experience and you know it's going to be great and 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 you know let me apply to be kind of their main face of the hotel you know, and be on the DJ, you know, DJing and being on the mic and, you know, getting people up and partying and all that kind of thing. I sent in my application and literally three days later, I get a telephone call from the, um, uh, from the director of food and beverage at the time. His name was Tim Arnold. And, um, you know, he's like, uh, you know, I'm looking at your resume here and, you know, it's, it's very impressive. And we're actually looking for a director of entertainment. And I literally, without any hesitation said, I'm your guy. Mm-hmm. And the funny thing is I said that without ever working in a hotel, you know, the only other corporate job that I ever had before was working for Royal Caribbean and I was pretty much just the DJ on the ship. So, you know, I just said, I'm going to do it because, you know, at that time in my life, um, I was actually, uh, you know, uh, this was a couple of years before, but I was kind of going through a divorce and had a two-year-old daughter and, and it was just, you know, it was a very kind of, I, I, I kind of made a shift in my, in my, in my mind and said, you know, I'm, if a great opportunity comes my way, I'm going to take it and then learn how to do it. Yep, that's a you great know, way I'm to gonna, do it. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to, because it's entertainment. It can't be that, you know, much more than stuff that I've already experienced. But it was, when I say a learning experience, I mean, I literally sucked up all the information like a sponge. I mean, A, I had all the entertainment background and knowing how to schedule and deal with entertainers and you know, all these different things. And especially with a, uh, a budget that Margaritaville started out with, which is almost a million dollars a year and For programming entertainment. Yeah, and entertainment alone. That's great. Um, and then, yeah. And then having the responsibility of programming and scheduling about 20 performances a week 
on property between five different venues, um, between five and seven days a week. Yeah, so let's you go know, to that. So you get there, you get the job, yeah. they hire you, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, I was a former F&B director. So you report to F&B director? Correct. So you like just pretend you and I work together. What's the conversations like? Hey, Ron, I need you to execute this plan. I need 10 bands a week, five DJs, XYZ. How did you start making that happen? Right. Because you didn't have that roster of talent built up. How did you make that start working? I had a roster of entertainers and bands that I worked with because of my entertainment and event background. So I was already booking a, a lot of local acts and a lot of local bands, but I was doing it again for private and corporate events. It wasn't from a hospitality standpoint where we're just providing kind of this um, entertainment component from a guest experience standpoint. It was more, right. you know, private and corporate events. So I already had a kind of a, a robust ro a roster of local bands that, um, you know, that I was already working with and that I already had knowledge and I already had, you know, connections with. But what we did was, and I already had the kind of scheduling and organizational skills to, you know, deal with something on that level um, as far as 20 performances a week uh, throughout the different, you know, multi-venue. So yeah, the, you know, the food and beverage, the, the nice thing is, is that when I came into that role, because Margaritaville, this was their flagship um, resort, there really was no... It was blueprint. the first one, right? It was the yeah, first correct. one. Yeah, there was no blueprint on how to proceed and build this department. So it was really me and Joe from Margaritaville brand kind of putting our heads together and figuring out the best way possible to execute, uh, you know, this, this, um, you know, concept. And, you know, really they, they were looking to me to kind of put the different ideas together and how we would go about scheduling and, and, you know, looking to, you know, the right, uh, entertainers for the right venue and, you know, the right times and, you know, looking at it from not just a standpoint of let's just entertain people, but looking at it from also a monetary standpoint, you know, which times of the day are going to really drive the most revenue. Uh, you know, coming up with different promotions, different activations. Um, you know, for me, when I first came on, when I first came on board, you know, Margaritaville was still under construction. And I remember specifically, you know, there's a, um, on the intercoastal side of A1A in Hollywood is a separate uh, standalone uh, bar restaurant that Margaritaville owns called Five O'Clock Somewhere. And it has this huge sand pit, you know, with chairs and a fire pit. And they have this tiki bar. And the first thing that jumps into my brain is like, we have to do a reggae party here. We have to do a Sunday reggae party. So initially we started with the Sunday reggae party and I would say it caught on. And after six months, I mean, this venue was probably about a hundred seats. Uh, and we were doing between 13 and $15,000 in, in revenue on Sundays, just because of the promotion and the activation. Uh, so I definitely started to notice more of how the entertainment and hospitality, food and beverage, you know, can all really work together with synergy and really drive revenue as well as enhancing the guest experience so when you were building out this roster of talent right you had mm -hmm. this brand new hotel they spent 100 million dollars building the building 200 right? million 200 million they've given you a million dollars in entertainment which guys for any hotel that's a lot of money to have it is, it is. right I, you know i've worked at some mega resorts and that's we barely scratched that even close so that's great to hear that you had that to play with mm -hmm. how do you start vetting right because look one thing I know from hotels, and I'm sure listeners, you've been out there, you've been at a resort sitting by the pool, and all of a sudden you have this person ruining the vibe because they can't sing and they're playing the wrong music and they are just making a mess out there. How do you vet these people? How do you start making sure you're picking the right people? So what we did was we, we of course, there was a lot of excitement being built around, you know, Margaritaville. People were getting very excited, especially the local um, music community. So when people found out, A, that I was involved with this 
uh, project and this property, you know, people started immediately reaching out to me. And what I needed to do and what we needed to do, me and Joe, Joe and I, is we created this kind of um, community outreach where we, you know, worked with our PR team at the time. And we said, we're going to have a huge audition process. And it was open to all the acts in Miami-Dade, Broward, Palm Beach, wherever you wanted to come from, you were invited to submit basically a press kit, a video, something. And then basically we got almost 400 submissions uh, that me and Joe personally had to kind of go through. And from that point, we set up a um, audition process by invite only. So of course we got 400 submissions. We whittled it down to about 200, 250 um, uh, uh, people that we wanted to invite, everything from DJs to solo musicians to full bands, multi-genre, Latin, country, reggae, um, you know, strolling performers, just different things that we could really, you know, have on property to enhance, as I said, again, the guest experience. And um, so we had over five days, we basically did about 12 to 15 hours a day of auditions. We gave all these acts about half an hour that we invited um, after reviewing their videos. Um, we gave them about half an hour to come in, set up. We rented a, a studio space. And over the course of five days, we pretty much auditioned, um, you know, about 200, 200 acts, 250 acts. And we ended up bringing on about 150 performers wow. uh, into the roster. Uh, and as I said, everything from solo acts to, you know, bands and, and you know, DJs and, you know, you name it pretty much. And we, we kind of, you know, had it on the roster to, you know, have performing on property. Yeah, so there's a ton of people you've got there, 150. And as you're building out this budget, right? So this, I'm curious, you know, as I'm the hotel, I say, hey, Ron, you've got a million bucks for the year. You know, so every month you've got it categorized in the P&L. How do you tell the bands what they're making? It's like a menu, like, all right, if you're a four-piece band, you get this much, or are they telling you what they need to be paid and you reverse engineering it? Like, how does that process work? No, so we kind of, you know, we reverse engineered the, the budget, really. So we looked at, you know, what the overall budget was, and then we figured out how many performances we wanted to have on property. Uh, and then from there, we kind of, again, looked at, you know, the time frames. if it was going to be a three-hour performance, a two-hour performance, a four-hour performance. And typically, you know, there's a, there was a standard rate which would be flexible, you know, a couple dollars here and there, depending on the performer. Um, but pretty much everything was kind of, you know, a set rate. If you're a solo musician, this is what the pay is. If there's a duo, this is what the pay is. A three piece, this is the pay. And four and full band, this is what the pay is. DJs, one specific pay uh, and that type of thing. So, you know, we kind of, again, reverse engineered the budget to say, you know, all right, this is the amount of performances that we need to have per week, um, per month, and then for the year. Um, and then we, you know, did it that way. Uh, and because of my experience already knowing kind of what the competitive pricing was in the market, of course, there's a big difference between, you know, a band performing for a hotel for the guests and a band performing at a hotel for a wedding. Right. You know, the price point is completely different, but I kind of had already a handle on how much it would be for the bands, for the solo musicians. So I already kind of had a step, a step in the game. And because I've been in this business for such a long time. You know, I'm a fairly good negotiator, and I think people really wanted to, you know, be involved with the property. Um, so they were willing to, you know, work with me because I was giving them steady business. You know, some bands, some performers, I would have two, three times a month. You know, some bands I would have once, twice a month. So they knew that they were consistently working, and I would be booking, you know, six months, eight months out. So we knew that we had the schedule. We knew we had the calendar. And, you know, from a marketing perspective, also, that's going to help inform the, the, the locals, inform the guests who are staying at the hotel. This is what's happening on the property this month. This is what's happening next month, so on and so forth. Did you ever do any big name acts at the hotel or was it all locals? Yeah. So uh, our grand opening in November of 
2015, we actually did a Jimmy Buffett concert mm-hmm. um, where we had li- we partnered with Live Nation uh, and they came in and they assisted. And, you know, I definitely had my hands in as far as the production and producing the uh, the event for Jimmy. Um, met Jimmy a bunch of times as well. Uh, that was one thing that we had, uh, which was a, a fairly, of course, a huge, you know, a huge production for the property where we actually closed uh, the Johnson Street parcel and we built a stage actually out there right outside. You know, the, the Hollywood band shell, of course, was there, but it wasn't big enough for his band. So we actually had to build another stage opposite of that where we'd be able to have, you know, his whole band perform. I think he's like 10 people in his band or whatever the case is. And, you know, it was just a huge production that we did. We did Jumbotron screens on the beach and additional sound. And it was it was a huge, a huge production. That's a lot uh, of so pressure. That was, yeah, but you know what? Again, I've been in this business for such a long time and I've experienced so many different uh, challenges that, you know, yeah, the pressure comes with everything, but, you know, you just learn how to deal with it. It's like, you know, once I'm in my kind of mode of working and, you know, it's just, you know, there's, there's always going to be challenges, but the really the way that I think about everything is what's the solution? I don't want to focus on the challenge. I want to focus on the solution. You know, how do we move past this and how do we give the guests the best experience possible? That's ultimately what it comes down to. So if there's any performance, if there's anything that's happening behind the scenes, as long as the guests don't know about it, as long as the guests aren't in the, in, you know, involved in any of the challenges and they're just getting an incredible performance and they're getting quality and they're getting that experience that we want to provide, it's all good. I love that. So you mentioned partnering with Live Nation. That's something I've never done. I'm genuinely curious. If I wanted to bring a big name act to a hotel or resort, what I'm sure there's a hundred ways to do it, but what is like maybe one of the best ways to do it if I want to get a big band to my hotel? Well, the best way really for me, and you know, I have a lot of contacts in not only, you know, uh, production and as far as Live Nation and things like that, but also a lot of local promoters who have contacts with, if I don't have the specific contact, because I also have contacts with larger named, uh, you know, acts and things of that nature. But, you know, I have a lot of strategic partners that I work with as far as promoters, uh, radio, um, marketing, PR, um, and between all of those kind of uh, strategic partners, you know, we could actually end up booking and taking care of everything from soup to nuts, whether it's, you know, production, booking the talent, getting them in the hotel, uh, transportation, everything. So really kind of like a one-stop shop for anything to do with entertainment and production on any scale, whether it's a solo performer or whether it's a, you know, a Justin Timberlake come to perform somewhere. Yeah, so that was kind of what I meant. Not for, not you, but I know you can do it. But like, just say yeah. somebody out there and our listeners out there in California or wanted to bring Justin Timberlake out to one of the iconic resorts. Yeah. Right, like we had Mary Rogers on the show. We'll say she wants him at Laguna Beach Montage. I, I don't know. Like, who would I call first? Do I just call someone like you? You call me. Calling? You call me. You call me. Yeah. And I use my contacts. But I was also, you know, the, the thing is, is that, you know, there needs one of the biggest things that I impress upon potential partners uh, mm-hmm. people that I work with and hotels and things is to have realistic expectations. Right. You know, if you're going to want to book somebody like Justin Timberlake, you're going to need to spend a million dollars. So a million you bucks. Know, just, yeah, just yes. on him alone. And again, that's depending Not- on his availability and so on and so forth. And again, these are just numbers. I never tried to book Justin Timberlake. No, we're just throwing it out there. Yeah, but exactly. Big numbers. Yes. Yeah, but big numbers. And again, you have to have, even if you're dealing with a smaller scale event, you know, even if you're dealing with a solo musician, you know, you need to have realistic expectations. You know, solo musicians are not going to come out and perform for three hours for a hundred dollars. You know, right. that's why when I create, you know, when I started my business, I kind of created this marketing and things that I can assist with my potential partners uh, at different hotels, retail properties, casinos, where they can see kind of what the budget looks like. And it's a little bit of a spread. 
So you know that if you're going to want to book a DJ at your hotel pool every Saturday and Sunday, it's going to be between $400 and $500, just to, so you know. And, you know, because, again, there's tons of DJs. You can go on Craigslist and find a DJ for $100. But, again, is that going to be somebody that really understands the brand? Mm-hmm. Is it going to be somebody who understands the vision? And is it going to be somebody who understands hospitality? You know, and that's one of the things that, you know, I bring to the table is that because I have all these pre-vetted performers that I've worked with, you know, they understand that they're not there for themselves. They understand that they're there for the guests. They're there to enhance the guest experience. They're there to ultimately drive revenue. It's the entertainment is, 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 is a business, you know, and and we need to look at it that way. We need to look at it in a way where, you know, how are we going to bring in this entertainment? What's the ROI going to be? What's going to be the guest experience associated with it? And how are we going to generalize and just bring everything together um, where it's going to be, you know, a great thing for everybody involved. Right. So now you you finished, you're at Margaritaville. You've created this awesome experience because, you know, you read the reviews, people love the music, you're making things happen there. And then the entrepreneur itch comes back again. Correct. What what made you kind of have that itch? What, why hop out of Margaritaville? Well, I, again, as I said, you know, earlier, I, I've always been an entrepreneur. Um, I've always loved to kind of just have my own schedule and, you know, do my own thing. I, I really love that challenge of kind of building something for yourself and having the opportunity to, uh, you know, be your own boss. It's very challenging when you're dealing with a corporate structure. And of course you have, you know, a committee above you. And, you know, when you're the professional and you know what's going to be really, you know, you're being hired for this position and, you know, you're being brought in because of your knowledge, because of your experience, because of all the things that you, you know, you grew up with and, and, you know, you're about and is basically in your soul. And then you have this kind of corporate structure where you have all these ideas and then you need to get approval from somebody. And listen, it's all good. I mean, even if I'm working with you, you know, if, if we're working in a hotel, I still need to get your approval, but at least it's me as my own business that, you know, I can come up and, you know, throw these ideas to you, whether they stick, they don't stick, but it's not like, you know, I get shot down because somebody just doesn't, you know, see eye to eye with me or whatever the case is. And, you know, one of the things for me, again, is, is having that ability to be your own boss, set your schedule. You know, I have a 10 year old daughter, I'm a single dad, you know, I want to be able to spend time with her. I want to be able to do things, you know, where I'm not working a nine to five, where I need to be or at a, at a hotel and I need to be there every single weekend to oversee the entertainment and do all those types of things. Lucky for me, I work with extremely professional people who I know are responsible, who are going to show up on time to a venue. They're going to be dressed appropriately. They're going to speak professionally to not only the staff and the management, but to the guests as well. And they know what they're doing. So it allows me a lot more freedom to pursue building more relationships, building more partnerships, going out and vetting more performers. So, yeah. So what would you tell, you know, now you've transitioned out, you have your company and you're now working with a great roster of hotels. You're all over the place. Your company is growing. You've, I think you have what, 250 talent or people on your roster, right? Yeah. But you still have, yeah, you still have a ton of hotels and resorts that aren't believers in live entertainment or live music, right? They think it's just the added expense and there's no value to it. Like I've had these conversations in a couple of places that I've worked, we're not going to say where that's just an amenity for the guests. It doesn't add any value, right? To the actual operation. What would you tell people that say that? Well, I think first of the, the most important thing is, is, is education, you know, is educating the, not only the, the management and, and, the directors and the you know executive committee on you know the the importance of building that guest experience because a lot of people are kind of focused on you know let's look at how much money the the the, the um, register brings in you know they look at their numbers for the end of the night but in today's day and age of social media 
and the importance of, you know, quality management surveys and how you can be listed on TripAdvisor and where your hotel or your venue, you know, pops up in that list is all impacted by the the experiences that you provide to the guests on your property. So it's not only about just, you know, okay, we're going to bring a, a DJ in. What does the register look like for that night? First of all, what are we going to do that's going to be different from any other venue that's around your immediate, you know, your area, your, your comps? Where, what are we going to do that's going to be something different? Let's try a Latin night with salsa music and salsa dance lessons. Let's try a country night where the DJs playing country music and we do line dancing. You know, let's bring in a, a reggae, you know, a trio and do kind of a reggae thing. And everything that we're going to be doing, we're going to create this experience for the guests, whereas it's not just about the entertainment. We're going to do drink specials that are going to be, you know, themed towards that uh, specific activation. We're going to do, you know, um, whether it's appetizers or food uh, offerings that are going to be themed to this specific, um, you know, theme that we're doing for that evening. So you're creating, once the guests come into your property, or if they're already on the property and they're going to experience this thing, they're going to do something that's completely different that's unexpected, that is going to ultimately, yes, affect the register. But I think also in the long run, they're going to share on social media. They're going to share on Instagram. Wow, we were at the Lowe's today and they had this amazing DJ in the lobby with somebody teaching line dancing and we had so much fun and we didn't even expect that. So if you're looking to come down to South Beach, come down to the Lowe's and hang out because they do line dancing every Thursday night. Yeah, that's completely different. They don't have anybody doing that one. You know what I mean? So, And, and there's yeah. so many opportunities. And for me, I have like... I love being part of a, um, you know, like a, a team where we have a creative team and I love to sit with my partners once a month and sit with the marketing pe marketing uh, team, sit with the food and beverage team. And how can we come up with activations? How can we come up with different promotions that are going to, again, drive revenue, do something different than the rest of the comps in, in, the, in the neighborhood and ultimately enhance that guest experience where it's going to transfer over to higher scores on your QMS, it's going to transfer to higher ratings and higher placement on TripAdvisor and on Yelp and all these things, which are going to ultimately drive more revenue, drive more guests coming to your property. And I think, again, people don't necessarily, you know, equate the two together. Um, so it's, it's up to me to really kind of educate and assist and kind of step in, because I think there's probably more people uh, who are in a position like food and beverage directors, marketing directors, and GMs who want to implement entertainment. They just don't know how to go about really finding the right people to work with to who have these pre-vetted entertainers and who understand the business and have the ability to know how to talk to the entertainers and also are getting these entertainers for a good price. You know, the reason that I have very competitive pricing is because the entertainers that I work with, A, know that I'm going to keep on giving them business because I have like 20 accounts that I'm, you know, servicing right now on a weekly basis. Um, you know, I'm doing about 70 performances every week right now between DJs, uh, musicians, bands, strolling entertainers, uh, performance entertainers. So there's a lot going on, but I have the ability to continue and giving those people work because of the amount of, of, of bookings that I have. So, and I'm very let's fortunate. Just, yes, let's just say I am tired of hiring my Craigslist DJ for 200 bucks on my pool deck. And I've convinced the ownership or the GM that, look, I need money to create a budget. How do we start? What's the first step for someone who really wants to start out there, the listener that's really wants to take our advice and start? What should they do? Well, first thing you know to do is they should be reaching out. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, that's the first thing. Yes. And then, you know, really sitting down and kind of understanding what the vision is. 
understanding the brand, understanding the vision of the property. Um, and, you know, that's where kind of my specialty is. And then again, coming up with these kind of brainstorming ideas on what we want to do. We could start out with, you know, a small activation, a DJ on the pool deck, you say on Saturdays, see how the guests are affected by it, see how the experience affects the guests. And then maybe we add a DJ on Sundays. And then again, you know, all these different components that we're looking at to, you know, enhance that guest experience and building the budget around it. That's why I created this budget kind of worksheet. So that way, when I'm meeting with these people, I can give them an idea of saying, all right, this is where we're at with regards to the different costs of the different um, types of entertainment that you can have on property. Um, and then basically going from there, I can help create a budget. You know, if, 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 if a hotel is looking, you know, they need to, again, be have realistic expectations. If a hotel, you know, food and beverage director comes to me and says, listen, Ron, we want to start activating this property, you know, on a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, we have a thousand dollars that we want to spend a week. Then I would come, I would put together options for them. And I would say, these are the different things that we can look at and we can start doing, or I'll put a proposal together for them and saying, these are the different, you know, activations and programming that we can do on your property for this budget. I love it. I think that's great advice for someone who's looking to start. So Ron, looking back, you were starting out as a 15 year old DJ and you've transitioned into working for two great brands, having your own company. What advice would you give maybe yourself or someone who's coming up in the entertainment side that wants to really break into the hospitality world? What would you tell them coming up now? Um, that's a good question. Um, you know, I, I really think, you know, the most important thing is to be passionate, you know, and that goes across the board. That doesn't even have to do with anything with entertainment. That has to do with just your passion for anything that you do. If you're passionate about something, you genuinely feel, you know, you're doing it from your heart. You're doing it from your soul. And I can genuinely say that I haven't worked one day in 35 years because I'm so passionate and I love what I do and I love entertainers and I love people. And if you're passionate about anything you do, you will be successful. Whatever success means to you. You know, everybody has different success is a subjective term. You know, for me, success is the journey. I've had such an incredible journey in my 50 years so far that, you know, I'm so blessed to do what I do and still be able to provide this for people. So the first thing I would say is be passionate. The second thing I would say is that if you're really interested in, in, in you know, learning the entertainment hospitality side is kind of, you know, align yourself with somebody like myself or another agency or somebody who really does this for a living on a full-time basis, you know, whether it's as an intern or whether it's just kind of picking their brain or whatever, I am extremely open. Um, you know, people can reach out to me on LinkedIn. I love talking to people. I love giving advice. I love helping people who are looking to, you know, expand, whether they're looking to expand entertainment on their property, if they have questions about how to start doing it, or if, even if it's somebody who wants to get into the back end of entertainment talent and scheduling and kind of more of an agency, um, you know, role, you know, I would love to help out in any of those things. And, and to be honest with you, there's so many venues, there's thousands of venues just in South Florida alone, that there's work for everybody and anybody can come in and, and it's such a, a niche market, especially the entertainment and hospitality uh, combination. Um, you know, a lot of, there's a lot of talent agencies who put, you know, entertainers in, in restaurants and they put them in bars and things of that nature. Um, but for me, you know, I really like to focus on the national brands. I like to fo focus on the larger brand uh, properties where, you know, they have, of course, the budget. Uh, they're looking for somebody like myself to kind of come in and assist as a one-stop shop uh, to providing entertainment. I mean, that's the biggest thing for me is that if you're, if you're providing entertainment, on your property and you're dealing with all these multiple vendors and you're dealing with this DJ and you're dealing with this, you know, and scheduling and making sure, 
I mean, I handle everything from soup to nuts. And the best thing about me is that there's no charge. I don't charge a retainer. I don't charge an additional fee. My com I make my money based on the commission coming out of uh, the performance pay. So yep. there is no additional charge to the hotels, the venues uh, to have me come on board. And because I love what I do, I have no problem. Part of my business model is to be able to be involved and come once a month to assist and have these conversations on, you know, what worked last month, what didn't work uh, last month, what do we should we continue, what should we, you know, pivot on, what should we do something different, coming up with these different kind of creative concepts and promotions, again, to really just drive that revenue and drive that guest experience. I love it. Um, well, Ron, look, you, I can tell you, for anyone out there, Ron is ultra passionate about what he does. It's true. If you can't see him here, but I'm sure you can feel his passion through your headphones or through the speakers because as I'm talking to him, he just shows it and his whole body's into it. Um, but he is great at what he does. Uh, we're going to try something new today, Ron. You're going to be the first one. You're the guinea pig, so I appreciate you. We're going to start doing some lightning round questions. Oh, God. And it's just uh, right off the top of the head, <laughs> all right? There's no right okay. or wrong answers. Okay. Um, so first, favorite restaurant? Um, favorite restaurant? Uh, you know what? I'm, I'm a big fan of, uh, of, of Middle Eastern food. And there's actually oh, wow. this uh, little, uh, there's a, well, my family's from Israel. So mm -hmm. I'm first generation American. There's an Israeli restaurant in Aventura called uh, Etzel Itzik. It's a, like a little, a little tiny restaurant, but their food is unbelievable. So if you like falafel and like hummus and pita and all that kind of stuff, it's called, a, in English, it's Astoria Deli, but it's called Etzel Itzik. And it's in Aventura off Miami Gardens. The food there is amazing. The guy makes love everything himself in-house. It's incredible. I love it. Favorite hotel? Uh, Low South Beach. <laughs> South Beach is a great place, man. It's a beautiful place. Uh, Mutlu Kachuk, if you're listening, Ron Green needs a room at the, <laughs> exactly. the Lowe's Miami Beach. Uh, and then next place you want to travel? Well, I want to go on a cruise. I'm actually waiting for my uh, my girlfriend to come back. She's overseas right now. And uh, I want to experience, I want to go check out that Virgin uh, Virgin Voyages. That's so I think when ship. she comes back out, we're gonna uh, we're gonna get on a on a four night a four day cruise and and just kind of get away a little bit from 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 all the craziness that's going on, you know. I'm, I'm really yeah. looking forward to that. Yeah, I appreciate the the quick lightning round answers, Ron. Uh, thank you so much for being on the show. Where can people connect with you if they want to find you? Yeah, you can uh, either and I, you know my phone number is available. Uh, my phone number, if you want to reach me directly to my cell, it's 305-788-2104. My uh, email is ron at rongentertainment com or info at entertainment resource dot net um, you can check me out on uh, instagram at entertainment resource it's actually entertainment underscore resource uh, please follow me uh, check me out on linkedin of course that's the the first and foremost uh, you know uh, i love linkedin it's 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 actually where i met steve uh, yep. so i'm very very fortunate about that as well so thank you steve for accepting my my, <laughs> my request to connect you got it, um, man. And uh, and uh, yeah, you can reach out to me and just call me. I mean, I'm I'm always available. That's one of the biggest things for me. And just I want to leave with this is you know one of the things that I I really pride myself on is being accessible, not only to the entertainers that I work with, but to all of my partners. If somebody needs something, if somebody wants anything, if I don't pick up the phone immediately, I'll get back to you immediately. And it's true. I've texted Ron, and he gets back to you right away. Well, Ron, thank you so much for being on the show today. I appreciate you very much. Very grateful for you sharing this time with me. And we'll talk again soon. Thank you, Steve. Best of luck to you, my friend, and continue the great work.
This podcast is a Hospitality.fm production.